In this week's episode of the Investors Corner, we welcome back resident guest Peter Licorinas, founder of the HMO Premier Network and director of the Story Group. This week, Peter specifically delves into how his investors build in value from minute one and build an ethical, beneficial, co-living project for both tenants and landlords alike, which cash flows in an amazing way. So, without further ado, let's welcome Peter Licorinas onto the podcast. We can't wait to get started. So, Peter, welcome to the Investors Corner podcast. This is not your first episode, but this is the first episode as our resident guest. So welcome to the show officially. Good to be back, boys. Thank you for having me. I feel like we need free T-shirts or something. Yeah. So do you remember Soccer M? We used to get a football if you yeah. went on Soccer M three times. <laughs> I, I actually did. Did you ever go on the show? No. I actually I actually got tickets and we went on the show. So you were one of the fans. Yeah. Great fans. Yeah. Soccer M. <clears throat> Good back in the day. <clears throat> Not so much anymore. No. Anyway, let's talk HMOs. Yes. So... HMOs, it's going to be great to get you on throughout the year. I think we're going to um, do the next episode with one of your investors, actually, which very much looking forward to chatting through the eyes of an investor. But how is like the HMO world at the moment? Good, bad, ugly? What are we seeing? A bit of everything, to be honest with you, but definitely good. Yeah. Um, and there's definitely more opportunities than I've seen for, for a long time around HMOs. And I think the world of better HMOs is becoming more apparent. I think a lot of people are up in their game. And I'm really happy about that. Mm. People wonder whether I'm worried about the competition. But I think when I set out to do premier HMOs and work with professionals, and um, I wanted to raise the standard of HMOs. And I think we've helped do that, certainly locally and sort of in and around London and Berkshire, Hampshire, Surrey. Um, but I think generally HMOs are getting better. And that's great because that pushes us to go from better to incredible. And some of the things that we're doing with um, HMOs now is amazing. And I, I remember joking about the 850 room when I was last on the podcast. And we're now up to an £1,000 room. Mm -hmm. um, and we're just about to rent one, which I put on Instagram this morning, funnily enough, for £1,025. Um, so yeah, it's when going bananas. Say, when you say better, you mean not necessarily for the investor, still for the investor, but for the tenant as well, like the actual quality of the HMO, well, the standard of HMO. It, it actually works both ways, which is the beauty of it. So by increasing the standard of the HMOs, the standard of the rooms, the accommodation, the furniture, the management, the care, like we spoke about last time, that's improving the experience and the service for the tenant but it means that the investors getting higher income because you can charge more for the rooms mm -hmm. um, so it's a win-win and that's really what I'm focusing on at the moment is being able to ethically invest and provide a win-win from right at the beginning where the seller of a property will get a good buyer i.e. us um, the investor gets higher income better yields better return on their investment and the tenants get a better product, better home, better service. Mm. So it's creating an ethical win-win for everyone, which is, I think, my philosophy behind what we're doing. There seems to be like a small percentage of people in property who are able to break records on prices and that still attracts more buyers or tenants to them like led by like the Ryan Serhants of this world who openly shout about breaking record prices, but buyers flood to them 
because of the product and because of the service that they get, which I didn't ever think was possible because you would imagine as an estate agent or a landlord or whatever saying, I've got the most expensive room in Berkshire would really turn people off. Yet when you launch a house, you're inundated by people on a waiting list to get in to what you're providing them. We we all worked as agents 15 years ago Mm. when... Together. Yeah, <laughs> in the same office like this. But do you remember like milk? Yeah, got a milk yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, you weren't fussed that they were way over no, going anything like else. Yeah, because you were like, it's milk. We'll just we'll just sell those. That'd be no problem. I, I think there are a lot of there's a lot of experience that goes into what we're doing, uh, and a lot of genius, not from me, but from everyone within the team. And I think part of that is we didn't go after the HMO market. Mm. We went after the 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 one bedroom and two bedroom apartment market Mm. and the people that were living in those and we tried to find a better solution for them a better product for them so why would someone rather rent one of our five or six rooms in a luxury hmo than a one or two bedroom apartment well they can spend less money um than an apartment would cost them they can have a better quality of kitchen better quality of bathroom they can have a bigger room, um, bigger space throughout, and they can live with like-minded people. And it was, I guess, a, a small gamble. Would people really buy into that? But they have. They, they, they have. And they will continue to do so. Because when I look at now what we're producing from a co-living HMO, in comparison to, to the apartments out there, I'd rather live in a I'd rather live in one of our homes as well, one of our houses as well. Something you said on a podcast before was that a lot of the tenants that are in there, like they know each other anyway, or they attract other people to come in. Like if someone's quite proud of where they live and the room becomes empty, someone else in the house often brings a tenant in. Is that still happening quite frequently? It, it is, yeah. I mean, we have a refer a friend um, policy. So if they refer a friend, friend, then they get a discount from their monthly rent, oh. um, which works really, really yeah. well. And also we all know, um, how big WhatsApp groups are, and we're on some of the biggest WhatsApp groups in the UK to to name some of the big companies. Um, your likes of Virgin, BA, um, and once you get in their WhatsApp groups, then uh, and you could deliver a good product and service, then that they they keep coming and coming. So we we get a lot of tenants from ideas and, and working quite smart. Would you would you be able to talk us through just kind of? maybe the financials of one of the last um, properties you completed on. So what was sort of purchase price, what the build cost, what's it worth at the end and, and what's the kind of sort of annual income they get from that HMO? Absolutely. So that's a really good question. And I think this, this goes back to a previous podcast that we did together um, in December. Um, and I said it was Christmas time in more ways than one <laughs> um, because property prices were coming down. Now, there's different ways to look at this. From an estate agent point of view, if you price correctly uh, and you work with motivated sellers and motivated buyers and you're a good agent, property prices haven't come down hugely. Mm -hmm. Um, And I would agree with that. But from an investor's point of view, when we're dealing with the world of estate agents in general, if I look at what we were buying prices for a year ago, um, potentially some were over, uh, overpriced, as you guys know. Uh, potentially there were three or four buyers for one house. So you'd have to go over 
the market value. Yeah. Um, but if I compare those prices to what we're buying for at the moment, I would actually say that we are 10, 15% below what those market values were. So from from my point of view, mm. we're getting offers accepted probably 10 to 15% below where we were. But from a, a general market point of view, a, a good estate agency point of view, that number's probably closer to five. Would you agree? It's like the location, location thing is it's hard to say, right, at prices year on year have dropped 2% according to land registry. But then to right move, they've dropped 9%. Yeah. And then to the southeast, they've dropped X. And to London, something yeah. else. Yeah. And to Doncaster, something else. You can literally go road by road and yeah. say, well, my road's actually gone up. Yeah, and I, websites, I can, I can websites, say that. Way, I can yeah. say that honestly, where I live, two houses have sold for what I would uh, colloquially name as drug money <laughs> in the last in the last couple of months. Like yeah. I've looked at it, eyes on, like chin on the floor. Like people are paid that much in yeah. my street, way over what people were paying two years ago. Yeah. But that's just my street. Exactly. So people who make those way big market comments. It's like you say, you, you can you can generalize on it and say, well, look, the general market is reasonably healthy, but I know where I'm looking and what I'm looking for. I can go in and make a saving by using a certain tactic or using yeah. a certain. Uh, and and it, go, it goes back to that ethical comment we made earlier. When we're not buying below market value because we're doing anything that we shouldn't do. We're just mm. giving motivated sellers the opportunity to have a stress-free, quick sale. Yeah. So it's still a win-win, right? Well, they've got the, they've got an alternative. They don't accept the offer. Yeah, exactly. And they do the next option. Yeah. If they accept the offer, it's it's entirely people speed, price, ease, yeah. or certainty. Not yeah. everybody's looking for price. No, agreed. some people are looking for ease, certainty, or speed. And if you can and- provide two out of four, then to some people, you're the best buyer. And, and it is hard work because we have to talk to agents every day. We have to talk to vendors every day. We have to let them know we're there, we're, we're motivated. Um, and, you know, if their dream buyer does fall through, we can step in. Um, if for whatever reason the market's not working around that time for them, we can step in. So it, it's hard work finding those opportunities, but we do. So taking you back to your question, so this property was originally on for 750 it's in an area we all know well, um, which is around Binfield Road. Um, that's all I say. Um, <laughs> I kept my eye on the property. I saw the opportunity to develop it. Um, it came down to 725. So that told me that the sellers were starting to become more motivated. That's an estate agent's discount, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, what it tells me is they probably... They probably valued it at two years ago value, thinking that, yeah. you know, they were going to get loads of people offer, yeah. where I know other agents would have just valued it at 725 to sell it quickly and given the honest advice. So yeah, I, I know how it works. Um, but we actually agreed after about four weeks of negotiation, an offer of 635. Wow. Um, for various reasons. One, because we're in a position to move quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, it needed a lot of work. So there were obviously not a lot of buyers at that time that wanted to spend the time and money on on developing it. Um, And, you know, fortunately, we do have a good reputation that we we don't pull out and we don't mess people around. Um, So an offer was agreed at 635. We actually exchanged and completed um, a couple of days ago. Um, And it's it's a brilliant property. We know it's in the right area for what we want to do. We're going to spend probably £125,000 developing the property. Uh, that will enable us to probably add 
200 grand value to the house. Um, it's already a five bedroom detached house with detached double garage. Right. So you boys, you, you know, you can use your imagination to, to what we're going to do with that. But we're going to create a, a huge room at the front, um, making the most of a double garage under permitted development rights, which potentially could be used later on as an a- annex. Mm-hmm. So we're adding value to the home, not just the HMO. Yeah. And, and that's really important. Um, so if in five, 10, however many years someone wanted to sell it, the bricks and mortar valuation is, is going to be considerably higher. If someone wants to move their family in or they've got an older child that wants to live in the annex, they can. So we're not just thinking about it as a HMO. Um, it will bring an income of, of between sixty-five and £70,000 a year. I'll get my calculator out. It's going to yield it up. They're... they're, they're Big, big numbers. Yeah, that um, is huge. Numbers. And it's a proven concept. We're not, you know, um, we're, we're not guessing. We, we know those numbers are, are more than achievable. Um, so we know that the yield is reasonable. But I don't Re- know, reasonable around about 10%. Yeah, 10, 10, 10, 10%, give or take. 10% yeah. but it's not just about the yield. 10% is yeah. good. And if you compare 10% in Berkshire to 10% in Manchester, the difference could be, a net profit of a thousand pound more a month. Yeah. So it's really important to remember a ten percent yield in it's the cash flow. It, it is, and yeah. I, I think yield is a very old-fashioned way of investing. What we're mm. looking for is a combination of things. We're looking for a reasonable yield. Um, we're looking for return on investment, return on capital, whichever way the investor wants to look at it. We're looking at forced value mm-hmm. and instant value. Instant yeah. value comes from buying right and buying at the right price. Forced value comes from seeing the potential um, and adding the, the potential in the property. Um, and then we the most important thing is how much profit you're going to be yeah. um, left with at the end of a month. Something like that would bring in probably around £2,400 at least profit a month on one property. Yeah, I'm confident that could be remortgaged in five years. Um, you could probably take the majority of your money back out. Mm-hmm. Um, we always say five years. Um, I think that's a reasonable amount of time to let the market do its thing, yeah. make a calculated decision, yeah. and, and have five years of accounts so you know what that does on a consistent basis. I think the days of trying to do what we're doing and take your money out straight away is uh, irresponsible. Yeah, uh, I, I, They're not the type of investors we we, we want to work with. Um, because if you need to take your money straight out, then you haven't got enough money to invest. Is is my opinion? Doesn't mean it's right, but that's that's my philosophy. I think it's great when when interest rates are stuck on the floor for fourteen years. Yeah. That kind of method is is okay. But we, kamikaze still. But you're <laughs> yeah, right; it works, we, and the market's doing that. exactly. You've got yeah. guarantees when when it, the market rate is zero point one percent, and it hasn't moved since two thousand and nine. But we're not in that world right. anymore, right? Where interest rates could go up tomorrow because of someone's decision we just don't know that so you can't play that short-term game of roulette right agreed especially with an election coming up as well we don't know what effect that's going to have inflation is low i know uh we have effectively entered a recession because of the, the last three months numbers but inflation is low things are coming down interest rates for me are low when you've worked in the investment sector as long as i have and we were happy with 8% HMO <laughs> rates 10 years ago. You know, to, to get 4.5 to, to 5 on a HMO is bloody good. Yeah. It's, it's a better world for investors at the moment than it is for first-time buyers. And I'm not happy about that. I don't think that's right. Um, and, you know, all these new 
uh, all these discussions about you know something new coming in for first time buyers, whether that be the ninety nine percent mortgage or or there's other ideas, I think is a good thing because we need to help first time buyers. But from an investor's point of view, it really hasn't been a better time to invest. Prices are reasonable; they have come down. Yeah. <clears throat> you can negotiate good deals. Rents are up. And I wouldn't say they're still going up like they were last year, but they've gone up and they're sustainable um, and rates are sensible. So yeah. when has there been a better time to buy? I, I don't know. I, I really don't. Well, you were big and passionate about it on the last one. And yeah, we we kind of put we put that clip on the socials because it's, you know, we, we sort of feel the same. And it's interesting to see the split feedback you get when you make a statement like that because you see recession, you see, you see that <laughs> in the media. But we've kind of banging the drum that you know the property there's nothing like putting someone on tiktok who says 2024 is gonna be the best year ever to buy a house nothing like it for <laughs> oh, comments yeah. is there come on it is, it's good fun it's good fun <laughs> you Especially know when we've got the the eyebrows like this <laughs> they attack vigorously um I'm, but, I'm not right on many things but I, I think usually on property i've got a very balanced um opinion uh, and it's all based on facts like like you. And that's that's why we agree a lot of the time. No one's ever going to agree all the time. But the fact of the matter is we base everything on facts. Mm. Uh, and that's why we make good decisions yeah, well, and predictions. The, the start of the year, it's been interesting to see what the portal's data has been saying. And they've said 5% more listings year on year in comparison to last year. So we've had 5% uplift on new houses coming to the market. 15% uplift on buyers. So still buyers are now outstripping yep. Yep. stock, which can potentially mean that there's going to be a stock shortage at some point unless that changes. But what's been quite interesting about that is uh, 20% more deals being agreed. Yeah. So the quality of the buyer out there and the confidence in the buyer out there so far this year is way higher than what it was at this time. But that's because I've bought them all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's the buyer. <laughs> but you are right. And I, I think it's a good market for serious sellers and serious buyers. Yeah. And it's a good market for second, third time buyers. Mm. I just think we need to help the first time buyers um, as a as a country and do what we can to, because once the first time buyers get going again, the property market is going to be banging. Yeah. And that's why I, I, I predict the next three to six months is a good time to, to buy. Because although I know you say um, purchases are up, um, because of me, no purchases are up, and they are. Um, January is always a bit of a strange month, and yeah. I don't really think you can predict a year based on January. And I think by March we'll have a good idea with what's really happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's an interesting topic for first-time buyers because it is tough for them at the moment with no help to buy, or you know, we've seen all of these different schemes. It's obviously cheaper for them on stamp duty. That's the one thing they've got on their edge if they're if they're kind of buying, you know, sub four hundred, then they're gonna be okay on the tax element of things. But it'd be interesting to see what happens with the election. That's gonna be the big play, yeah. isn't it? And they're kind of just dripping out these little ideas at the moment. But you mentioned ninety nine percent mortgages, boom, all over the paper yeah. for a week, then it's just gone. Yeah. And then there's talk of whatever the next thing may be. And I think we're gonna see these little things just drip Lots through the media. Pre-election budgets are, are the vote winners, right? Yeah. So they've, they'll do something to, to to win votes. And we wait to see if that's kind of on the first-time buyer, on the buy-to-let investor, or or somewhere else, I on think, the renters, I, in fact. I think what you're going to find over the, the next sort of six months is they're, they're going to be sounding information out. They're going to be putting information out there 
they're going to be gauging what the reaction's like and where they feel the reaction is good and potentially an election winner, then they'll probably act upon it. And as you say, it probably becomes part of a yeah. part of a budget. Yeah, yeah. So let's just talk about HMO Premier. Yes. Founding shareholder for that company. You've, you've built it from the infant stage up to the mature stage that it is now working with all sorts of different clients. But I guess for someone that's interested in getting into HMOs, what's in it for them to become one of your clients working with you? How does it how does it support and help them on that journey to try and build sort of an exit pension sort of value almost, isn't it? When you're talking about the property you spoke about earlier, you know, that's 25, 30 grand worth of profit going into that household through that one deal. So what's outside of the obvious? What's the benefit yeah. of kind of them working with you? I, I think we're, we're, we're very... We're very passionate about what we do, and we've we've built a really good reputation through through hard work. Um, we're really proud winners of the um, HMO Services Provider of the Year at the National uh, Landlord Investors Awards. Um, and I, I think the reason we're being recognised for for the quality of what we're doing is because our our model is different to what other people offer. Um, I'm not looking to um, make this company a business where we're dealing with. 50 60 70 investors at one time that's never been my 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 goal i'm looking to build an ethical um hmo company where everyone wins from from when we purchase the property to, to rent the house out and, and the investor in the middle um with the best returns possible um and, and and you can do that but you can't do that when you're working with thousands of clients taking on three or four new investors a month just trying to make money um, like a lot of companies do. Um, so our, our model is different. We're trying to take on potentially, I'd say we get from 40 to 50 leads a month. Out of that, we're trying to qualify down to potentially one new client a month. Um, what we want from a client is an investor that wants to build a portfolio for the right reasons. Um, they want to get rich over time. Not not get not quick. not quick. It's not as snappy as a headline. <laughs> <is it? laughs> get rich over time. No, it doesn't really get me many views on TikTok, but, but, but it's true. Um, and we want a client for life, and we want them to work with us on one project like they always do, and then come to us and say we're ready to go again. And you know, if you've been watching me on um, my social media you'll know we've been doing profiles and interviews for our investors and we've got we launch one every other month this year um and what richard who was on the last one hasn't seen the last seven hmos he's bought with me because uh, he because he trusts Just us trust. and we yeah. and, he, and, and he knows we deliver over and over and over again so i think what a client gets is the combination of yield return on investment return on capital uh, below market value, forced value, good quality tenants, consistency, sustainability, and trust. Um, and that's what an investor wants. And I guarantee that after investment number one, you'll go again. After investment number three, you'll go again. And then you probably won't view them after that because you trust us so much. Uh, and, and we always deliver. We always deliver. When we take on a new client, we go to work. And it might take three weeks to find them the property that we've promised them. Yeah. It might take two months. It does sometimes. We can't guarantee we're going to hit all those numbers I've said 
if it's in a really buoyant market where you know buyers are snapping up and offering an over asking price, we have to work harder to get those opportunities. We will not take a new client on until we found that client a property. That's the difference between us. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's massive. It's a big difference. And it, I guess your investors become almost like off plan buyers. You've got it. Where you're yeah. buying because you know the history and and off plan off plan buyers and the people who sell off plan properties are in a different world to residential estate agents. There's an expectation. It's like here's what we've got. These are the prices. These are the projections. How many do you want to buy? Absolutely. It's a 15 minute phone call with off plan yeah. companies, and it's 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 incredible the level of trust that people put in. But generally, it's a very small niche of people who just go, yeah, I'll buy three. I'm I'm interested to know the mindset of the the investor. You know, if we use the the deal that you spoke about earlier on that was on at 750 and obviously acquired at at 635, fair bit of cash going into the investment. Let's say that overall that's 400 grand cash and 500 grand worth yeah. of finance as an example. There is a there is a case that you could also look and say you could buy two small four bed detachers or maybe two two large three bed semis for the same situation what's the difference between the mindset of the person that wants the hmo that wants that type of property yeah. which clearly does cash flow much better monthly versus having the two semis that are more recognized as uh, fr- from a buy to let point of view what's the difference between the two because there may not be a right or wrong for each but people think differently don't they They do so it's a really good question i'd say we've got probably three different levels of hmo so we've got a five bed hmo which is up to a certain purchase price and development cost so you could probably work with us on that for if you had 200 grand cash in the bank um, or you wanted to invest 200 a time then we've got the higher purchase price which is the six bed um, model which you're probably looking at around 250 to 300 in and then we've got, and usually an investor will start with the first one. Yeah. Trust, course, second yeah, one. Yeah. And then um, Samir, who's bought this property, I think this is number five, four or five. Um, and then with this model, the income, you're going to get an extra 25 grand a year income. So you, you, you average that out over four years. That's an extra 100 grand. Mm-hmm. So your answer could just be in that answer I've given you. Yeah. Um, I think the investment was 350. Um he's going to be able to take all of that money back out within a five-year period where if you if you do an average job and you basically do a cheaper option, but you don't see as much value, add as much value, you're not going to be able to get as much money out. Mm-hmm. So I think it's thinking a bit longer term uh, about that investment, if that makes sense. Yeah. So we know that we're, we're sitting on a 900 grand property. I know. I've, worked, I've lived in Bratnell a lot of, most of my life. I know with this specific property, it's like gold dust. They never come up and um, it's unlikely to come up again. So when I saw this development, mm-hmm. I, I thought, wow, I packaged it together and I went to my client and I said, I've got something a little bit extreme, but this is why. Um, and once you saw the numbers, it was, a, it was a no-brainer. So I wouldn't say this is something we do every single deal. But it was just one that you, you couldn't turn down. And we know that it's going to generate five to six, what I call hero rooms, mm-hmm. which are going to be thousand pound rooms. And you're so, still committing to, I know you're big on six rooms max. Yeah. So even with that property of that size, it's still six hero rooms, but 
proper max rooms, but no more. You wouldn't you wouldn't be tempted to go with eight. No, I've looked at that before. So I know we could get eight rooms out of this house. Yeah, I know we could. Um, eight rooms at six fifty, opposed to six rooms at a thousand pound a month. You guys do the maths. Yeah. Yep. Also, happier people. Yeah, you multiply the problems, right? Don't yeah. You? yeah, less people, less people in a property, uh, a better family environment. Five or six people. It just it is the magic number. Yeah. It just for professionals, it just works. Once you go above that, it doesn't. You're then dealing with planning. You're involving neighbours, um, and you're you're dealing with an, another um, barrage, potential barrage of, of, of issues and, and dramas that you don't really need. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I find like investing in other areas and maybe having four properties rather than one property. Um, I find some people will go for eight or nine rooms rather than five or six for vanity, mm-hmm. what I call vanity investing. We don't do vanity investing. We do, we, we, we do you know, serious investing. And I think that's the difference, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah, it's, it's interesting to see why someone goes with A or B because different people will look at it and go that. But that's the beauty of this podcast is we can sort of look at it from both sides and then it's very obvious that that one is a more unique property. So yeah. it's always going to be more appealing when it comes to resale and refinance. It cash flows higher as well. You've got all your money in one deal. You're going to, if you put 400 grand cash in, you're going to pull that back within 16 years, which you wouldn't do on the other properties. No. You wouldn't pull your deposit back out of those within 16 years. You'd be doing the full mortgage term of 25 or 30 years. It's like, it's like your attitude to risk. On a, on a pension, yeah. there's always three options, right? Yeah. There's the there's the blue chip, boring. You'll never lose money here because it's invested in Shell, British Gas, and and the other top companies. You've got the medium, and then you've got the the high risk policy where they know full well that those businesses are set to absolutely fly. But some of them will bomb in on on those pension plans. You've got to have the additional cash, you've got to have the additional cash flow in your life to go, okay, I'm going to go for the big option here for those things <clears throat> in order to get the biggest return. Because the biggest return always comes with the, the biggest outlay or, or the biggest risk, yeah. one of the two. We, we, and we, we take it all back to facts, okay? The, the fact of the matter is, did we get that for seriously below market value? Yes. <laughs> that completely takes away an element yeah. of risk immediately. Yeah regardless what the market will do. You're a hundred grand up day one. A hundred percent. Yeah. Um, also, we bought one in Binfield Road around four years ago for an investor. Um, it was an old dentist that we bought for 600 grand. Um, it's, it's been valued. At, we we know where we want to be with this one already. So mm-hmm. we've been pessimistic, not optimistic yeah. in our numbers, which is really important. And we've got hero rooms in there, which are achieving what we know we can. Are the hero rooms achievable for the next five to 10 years? Um, they're not only achievable, they're the future. This is what HMOs are doing now. They're going bigger and better. Um, so it's, it, it's not only achievable, it's sustainable. Um, so, so the facts are telling us that this is a no-brainer. And I, I, I think this goes back to my one motto on property investing, and that is you make your money when you buy. If you buy wisely and you know what you're doing, you make your money when you buy, so you should never lose money. And that's what we do with our, our, our investors. We make our, we make their money when they buy. And we've done that with this one. We were talking off camera about uh, commercials. And obviously there's commercial properties. The regulations on those are changing next month, which is great for property investors in the UK, whether people see it that way or not. And it's very obvious that a lot there's a lot less commercials being used, commercial premises being used for big 
office fit outs and things like that now because a lot of people are hybrid working from home. So, you know, that that being a little bit of a topic of the agenda, but what do you see is being sort of the future for not just property investing, but obviously specifically around HMOs? And do you ever see a commercial building that you could turn into a hero status room HMO with six, you know, six great rooms in there? Can you see that happening more frequently? Well, well, well that's already happening. Um, and it's happening if you look at what used to be student HMOs. Student accommodation is already there. So it's already happening. Um, build to rent, people that are doing build to rent, they're, they're already doing it. So they're potentially not splitting the titles to create apartments. They're just creating rooms. So it's actually a strategy that people do now. And, and because the permitted development laws around commercial development are getting better and better for the investor, um, that's going to definitely be an area of growth. And we're, we're always looking for commercial deals. Um, but again, it goes back to what you're trying to create. And if you start putting 100 professionals together in a in an apartment block, it, it's not going to be hero status, unfortunately. No. It's just going to be, you're, you're going to feel like a student as a professional. You're not going to feel like a professional. And our job is, or what we like to do is to create a family for the professionals. So there's opportunity, yes, but it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a slightly different strategy and a different uh, demographic. We're looking into that for social care which is another podcast, but I think that's something that will become more and more popular. Um, but the great thing about this country is more and more people are coming to this country. I'm sure I repeat myself every time I come <laughs> on it. People are living longer. People are having more children. Um, and there's not enough property. Uh, it's hard to get mortgages for first-time buyers. More and more people are splitting up. More and more people need accommodation. More and more people want rooms. And more and more people are happy to take rooms. So... In terms of the demand, that's going nowhere for the property market. Um, and, and just to, to touch back on um, per, permit development and what's happening out there, it's, and I'm sure most people that understand property are aware of this, but the government are trying to make it easier for us to develop properties because of that demand. The government are trying to make them more options for us to develop the properties we're in. Um, and some of the law that we're going to be seeing changing over the next few months under permitted development means that you can now extend at the back of the house from four metres to five metres, and you can now do a wraparound extension, which you couldn't do before under permitted development, and you can potentially build above five metres back under permitted development. So you don't have to go through planning mm -hmm. and risk being rejected for time, for money, um, that, that it takes you can literally they're telling us we can do it yeah. um, and then the um, permitted development rights means as well loft extensions become more um, amenable easier to do um, and you don't need planning uh, consent for that as well so what that tells me is they're giving us more rights to have bigger properties and, and that works for, for, for HMOs because we can develop more, we can add more value, we can add more ensuite rooms, which is fantastic. And it also helps people that potentially can't afford to move, but they've outgrown that house, so they want to extend it. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, there's some really exciting news, um, which is really going to help property investors and property owners. Obviously, the uh, potential hurdle with en-suites and having too many en-suites and having to pay council tax in every room. That's gone now. But that was late last year. So that's great news as well. So for me, I mean, it just seems to be all positive around helping people invest um, and help helping people 
provide more accommodation in the UK. So it's, it really is a good time. And I, you were talking about overseas investors and overseas money coming in. And uh, I do an estate agency podcast that's just for estate agents. And we had uh, the director of Sotheby's in uh, central London come on. And he only deals with the super prime stuff. He deals in Marleybone, Belgravia, Mayfair. And last year, all of their super prime deals, what percentage of buyers do you think were overseas buyers? The high 80s. 100%. Okie dokie. 100% overseas buyers. So you think that's overseas money coming into the UK property market? Ten million pound upwards. Mm. We, we we do actually get a lot of overseas investors inquire um, and jump on our website. Um, they're definitely back in the market, aren't they? Yeah, they're a different yeah. level. Yeah, um, but I think everyone wants to invest. Everyone realizes if they have money in the bank, it's going nowhere. It's just mm. they're losing money, um, and everyone realizes that property really is probably the safest place to invest your money. Yeah. Um, that there is. And, you know, we've all chatted and laughed about more or less everything from stocks and shares to Bitcoin to, to everything else, which we've seen fluctuate and we've seen wins and losses. But the property market, if you buy right, even when the economy is bad, you can still win. Even when the housing market's bad, you can still win. Um, so it goes back to the microclimates you were talking about, you know, for yeah. the eyes of an investor, HMO investor versus the first time buyer. Versus the chap that I was just talking about, he said that since 2014, so the last 10 years, prices in Mayfair have dropped by 22%. So overseas investors are seeing that they can buy a £10 million property that was 22% more valuable 10 years ago, sit on it for 10 years and pretty much guarantee that in the next 10 years, they'll make two and a half, three, four million yeah. on that property. Well, if we go back to what, 1958, it's one of the most used stats in the Property well, but property values have doubled every 10 years. Um, and when we look at the trouble we, we saw at 2001, doubled, 2008, doubled. Um, and where do I see property prices in 10 years' time? Would you, would, you, would you bet against them going up 50%? I wouldn't. No. Not 50%. No, I mean, we saw them go up 26% in 24 months. Yeah. COVID, who yeah. thought that was going to happen? So. Absolutely. Another area of growth. Um, we, we've seen um, and we've got a separate part of our organization working on, which is quite exciting, is we're helping investors with have built buy to let portfolios. And those buy to let portfolios are just unexciting. They're not giving them the numbers they want to. Um, and I touched on it um, when I was last on here working with a few of my old investors who have come back, um, but it's become bigger and bigger. Um, so anyone out there with a buy to let portfolio um, that because of the way the market's gone, because of Section 24, because of everything else that's changed and, and, and evolved, it's very difficult to, to get higher than a 3 or 4% yield. Um, come and speak to companies like us because we can turn that 3 or 4% yield back up to 10% um, and we love it. So we're taking potentially a, a £1,500 Birchill property that's bringing, you know, that's being rented to a family and we're turning that into a small HMO um, and it's bringing in three and a half grand a month um, by just being clever with how we improve and evolve the property. Mm-hmm. And we're also adding value to the property at the same time. So you could potentially take more money out of that property later on as well and then reinvest it in a in a HMO. So if you've got a buy-to-let mortgage and you're, you're, you're uninspired, um, then come and chat to us because 
it's easier than you think to to turn that into a money-making machine. It's always insightful and we're delighted to have you on as one of the residency guests of this podcast. We're going to have at least four episodes with you throughout the year, which is brilliant. The next one that we've got is one of your investors coming on. So don't forget to hit subscribe to get that notification when Pete brings his HMO seasoned investor, big portfolio. Yeah, I I, I really wanted to do something different with you guys this year. So I'm really looking forward to bringing on a different guest with me um, most months. Um, I've spoken to a couple already. Both are, both are up for it. So see see which one's available. But um, the two two of the investors I've asked have worked with me, one for over a decade uh, and one for over six years. Um, so yeah, you'll be able to hear their point of view, the, how their relationship and journey has been with HMO Premier and myself and, and what they've been able to achieve. So that'd be really great content. Um, I think it would also be really good to do one of these around the property management aspect of HMOs. Yeah. I think it'd be great to get stuck in and involved in that. So we'll probably do an episode on that as well. Would love that. What would be interesting actually, is anyone listening to this and who, who follows us is, is tell us what you'd like. What would you like to, to hear? What guests would you like me to bring in? And, and we can do that for you. Yeah. Great point. And if you've got questions, you know, for, for Peter from today's episode or for the next episode, then please drop them in the comments, drop us a DM and uh, we'll be sure to obviously bring those out on the next episode as well. So, yeah, as always, thank you, Peter. Absolute pleasure. And obviously, anyone out there <clears throat> not following us, then please, we're, we're all over Instagram, um, LinkedIn, Facebook. Um, so please come and find us, follow us, and, and become part of the family. <laughs>